0: welcome to the two top podcast the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world i'm your host thomas lance and i'm here with my co-host matt berg how's it going you can listen to us on itunes stitcher and google play make sure to follow us on twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes now let's dive right into this week's episode of to two it. top yeah that's our intro I know. <laughs> that was it. We're was rolling. It. We're rolling. We're, this is, this is the start of the podcast. I hope you're ready for the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't know. Are 25. you five, 25? Is it today That's... a 25 <laughs> mo- minute day? Well, it's going to go quick, I think, because today is our every 10 episodes. We do our lightning around episode on the seventh episode of a set of 10. And this week we decide to talk about the changing of technology, specifically the changing of size and how, that's changed from the supercomputers of the day with all the tape and hard drives to now. The rack thing, units galore. Exactly. To it, now. The things in your pocket that do more power than the NASA spaceship itself. So, Matt, I think we should just start talking. And I want to talk about memory real quick, specifically the micro SD card. Mm-mm. So this is something that I noticed because it showed up on, on the internet where I was just scrolling through and I found that they just announced a 512 gigabyte internal, uh, 512 gigabyte flash drive made by Integral Memory. And that's a big deal because in 2005, a little over 10 years ago, The largest SD card when it was created was 128 megabytes. Megabytes. Now keep in mind, that's not even one gigabyte. No, it's not. Our podcast would probably, we could probably get four episodes on that. On that small uh, micro SD card, but uh, 512 gigabytes is half a terabyte. That's a big deal on something roughly the size of your thumb, right? Yeah. It's, Roughly the size of your thumb, and the whole reason for this is the push for these smaller cameras, you see drone photography that takes micro SD cards, GoPros, action cams, those all read to micro SD cards. And with bigger video formats, such as 4K, slow motion, uh, one uh, 120 frames per second, those Raw big footage, f- yeah, those big files take up a lot of memory quick, so you have to have larger SD cards. So... This is probably the push we're going to be seeing for the small guys to get a lot bigger in internal size. It's a little guy that has a big package. Good description. Little guy with a big package. Little guy with a big package. Absolutely. Now, shall I continue on our memory train? Yeah. Keep talking about memory. I, I dug into memory a little bit too. Well, I want to also talk about flash drives. Absolutely. So flash drives, if I'm, Matt's actually sitting behind me right now. So every time I kind of echo away, it's because I'm turning around. Let me, let me, let me slide over real quick. Hey, flash drives created 2000. And it was a big deal because the flash drive Intel, eight gigabytes, eight gigabytes, eight whole gigabytes. Now this, this is a big deal because at the time everything was a floppy disk and floppy disks normally less than a gigabyte. You're talking less than a gigabyte. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the 8 megabyte flash drive was actually five times bigger than the biggest flash dri- uh, floppy disk at the time. Say it again. The 8 megabyte the eight megabyte flash drive was five times bigger than any floppy disk of that time. Okay, floppy disks were a fraction
1: of, of 8 tiny,
0: megabytes. Tiny, tiny amounts. Wow. So that's a big deal. You now got your memory stick. and Now that's in 2000. 2017 just announced 2 terabyte flash drives and that's a lot in comparison and if you think about it in a relative scale also the cost of these things have gone down back in the day you could buy a like a 16 gigabyte flash drive and that may have cost you like $30 but now you can get a 128 gigabyte flash drive for that much so not only is the size getting larger but the price is also shrinking. And also in some si- cases, the size is also shrinking as well. You can now get these small, small flash drives that are pretty much just a nub on your computer and they'll add 64 gigabytes. Exactly.
1: I just got a new Samsung USB flash on my, my keychain, 32 gigabytes, USB 3.0, pretty tiny. It was very, very cheap. You know, last year it was even more expensive. Every year it's, it's dropping because the technology is just getting better
0: and better. And with USB 3.0 and now USB C file transfers so quick that these larger formats aren't as daunting anymore because of how much data you can send in such a small package. Now, what's also cool is like, I, I love flash drives. And the funny thing is when you have an eight megabyte flash drive in 2000, that's a big deal. Right now, my dad was cleaning out his office and he gave me a bunch of one gigabyte flash drives. They just hand them out now.
1: Oh, absolutely. People, I know a lot of um, musicians, instead of giving out like CDs or mixtapes, like back in the day, they just hand out USBs, like one gigabyte USBs with a couple tracks on them.
0: You can get a one gigabyte USB for cheap. Yeah. China, get
1: them, get like a hundred for like $5 or something. Yeah, if you ever,
0: like, if you have a brand and you ever want to create like a promotional USB, To give out to people at an event, it's normally like one gigabyte and it's like 50 cents each because it's just plastic and some circuitry and it's cheap circuitry because it doesn't hold that much. But movies nowadays wouldn't fit on a one gigabyte flash drive. No, no. You're talking at least maybe five gigabytes for for like a basic movie, you know? So yeah, now flash drives are... They haven't really changed in size. I mean, they got smaller, but there's not much you can go with portable storage anyway. That was the whole point of it.
1: It's And it's not just the actual removable storage. It's the actual built-in not only flash storage, but the actual moving storage on old computers has shrunk. In. you know, my, my dad's old work c- computer had less than a couple megabytes of RAM and less than a gigabyte of memory, and he did graphic design on that old Mac computer. And nowadays... Creative professionals are rocking, you know, over 100 gigabytes of RAM or something crazy like that and unlimited um, RAID terabyte storage. So they have endless storage, you know? Like servers and servers of terabytes and terabytes. It's unbelievable how far we've come in, in, say, 20 years, in the span of 20 years.
0: Well, it's all part of that. um, It's an exponential curve when it comes to these things. Uh, Similar to the singularity, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, As we improve, things will only improve exponentially. So we will just keep on increasing faster and faster and faster. It may have taken exponential increase. Yes. Wow. It may have taken us forever to learn how to get planes, but then we went from like gliders to propellers in a couple of years in like 20 years. And then we went to jets couple of years later and now we're doing superliners and we're going to the
1: moon now we're slingshotting off the gravitational force of
0: of planets and whatnot (laughs) exactly and even with these computers they started really big and bulky in the 40s when it was first like kind of invented and then today today and it just gets better and better and better but even the change between the change in 50 years from 1950 to 2000 and the change of 2000 to 2020 is way steeper and just shows that we're going to keep going up and you start to wonder it's how far can we go down this track
1: well i remember alluding to our singularity episode you said 2050 was the expected doomsday date in in a sense right
0: yeah at that point things will just advance so far that we might just run out of things to advance well you might surpass human capability to understand
1: such technology exactly just terrifying to think of
0: um, did you want to talk about any interesting devices?
1: Well, I'll I'll give you a really basic one. Hats. <laughs> hats strong. How have hats changed? Well, during the early Victorian time, approximately like the 1830s, top hats were extremely tall. You know,
0: you can think of like,
1: abe lincoln way back abe lincoln had a big high
0: he kept his mail up there some
1: even reached 20 centimeters high um later in the victorian era from 1837 to the early 1900s it shrunk it was just a, a trend in style it shrunk down to 16 or 17 centimeters was the trend that's just kind of a random thing not as much technology but i thought that was interesting it's just a stylistic approach
0: you're th- throwing me for curveballs left and right man
1: now let me give you a piece of technology okay <laughs> okay is it a techno hat not a techno hat. We're talking techno music. We're talking instruments. We're talking specifically the modular synthesizer. Oh, The rack okay, unit okay. synthesizer that messes with all the frequencies. You stretch frequencies. You repeat frequencies. The Moog modular synth was uh, one of the most popular instruments back in the 1960s. When it was first developed, and these were huge. It looks like a piano, but then you have a wall of plug-in wires you can plug every, every which way. So that was huge. Nowadays, you can have... Um, obviously there's personal keyboards you know you might get as a kid that can do all the same sounds at those big things because they utilize uh little computer boards little microchips little microchips stuff, yeah. inside now your computers have plugins um your smartphone can easily have it um there's a really cool company called teenage engineering that creates that created a device called the op1 which is the most popular synth i'd say in the music industry right now um it's roughly like 900 dollars and it's smaller than a computer keyboard and it can do crazy amounts with the limited input it can take and that's how a lot of your favorite tracks are produced today techno um, pop songs even you know alternative indie music uses these synthesizers so we once had the huge moog um rack units that you couldn't move around and now you have this little thing that that charges a lithium battery and you can bring it to huge arena shows
0: yeah that reminds me of i remember seeing a tour of daft punk's house and where he records oh perfect example yeah Yeah. he has tons and tons of modular synth he has custom ones yeah that
1: that are stylized to look cool with the set too so it's not only function it's form also
0: and the op1 is something that I've actually I came across a guy on YouTube that he makes songs on his OP one, but also records himself making the songs. And it's literally just a small, a small keyboard in a sense. And the amount
1: of songs that that instrument or device has uh, made in the industry is unreal if you look into it and all and all the artists that use it. so And the company, um, Teenage Engineering, is very, very cool. They don't just develop music instruments. That's actually one of the only musical things they produce. They're just a really cool design company. You have to go to their website. It's a great website. What was that again? Teenage Engineering? Teenage Engineering. They also make, um, I think they have an instant camera. They have some, spe- some really cool concept speakers. I'll have to look them up. Some really cool designs. You'd love it. Well... Music
0: has changed. Music has shrunk.
1: I have another instrument. Uh, just uh, basic technology. The acoustic guitar used to be huge because they didn't have amplifiers back in the day, and because they didn't have amplifiers, they needed a bigger body to project the sound more. So nowadays you don't need that. So you're getting smaller-bodied guitars.
0: Is that similar to the large, the large guitar used in most mariachi bands?
1: Exactly. The um, oh, it's called the um. I want to call it the tambor, but that means, like, drum in Spanish. I did a project on mariachis. Yeah. As, as you can tell, we did, also a whole did a episode on it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly what it was for, you know, because they don't have amplifiers. They have to project their sound. That instrument get, makes it extra loud, you know?
0: Funny. Those are things that I'd never think about that Basic because technology. of the larger stadiums, they'd have to have larger instruments to project more sound. You don't have to do, with, do that with drums. Drums are loud no matter what. I Absolutely, feel. yeah. Uh, we have another thing that's shrunk that's going back towards tech. We're talking hard drives as well. I hit all the memory as you can tell. And we, if it, and
1: if you want a refresher on, on memory size, we have an episode where we run
0: through the, the sizes, correct? We do, Matt. It's one of our first few episodes. So it's hidden. So it's hidden in the ether. And if you really want it, you have to hunt me down first. You'll never take it alive. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to continue. Hard drives we're going to continue with memory. We've done micro SD cards, flash drives. Now let's talk about the big daddy of memory, the hard drive. So it actually started as like really large rolls of magnetic tape and discs and punch out holes and magnetism and all that. But the hard drives we know, the ones that go in our computer, uh, it was created by the first one was created by Seagate and it was only 20 megabytes. Not a lot, not a lot, not a lot at all. But, announced for release in the first or second quarter is a 14 terabyte hard drive that is filled with helium so the okay quick quick break how a hard drive works the smaller one compact ones now have a metal disc in it that spins and it has it reads numbers ones and zeros of code but it can only spin so fast. So by encasing this hard drive in helium, helium has less air resistance than your regular air. So the disk can spin faster with less resistance. So it can work at a larger capacity and faster.
1: So it's a it's like a vacuum that they fill with helium. So there's no oxygen in there.
0: No, it's slow a, it slows down. It's a sealed system. Kind of less friction in a sense, right? Yeah, air resistance. So no air, you can get 14 terabytes nowadays. Helium is lighter than air. Helium is lighter than air. You can can get, you can get hard drives that are smaller than 14, but you can get these big RAID drives that normally have multiple hard drives in them. But this is this is the big daddy thing because if you can get one of those and then like four of those in a RAID setup, that's Think of that. That's 48 terabytes in four hard drives. That's like server levels of storage. No one ever needs that much storage. You'd think. It's possible, though. But with modern-day recording is what I always think of. Raw 4K, 8K footage, each frame of those photos can take up. Multiple gigabytes, right? Even Multiple (laughs) gigabytes. Yeah. I've done stuff in 4K just for fun and... The file size is enough to delete the video itself once you're done because the footage is just too big to keep. Which surprises me of all these people who like save everything that they've shot and it's just the size, the size of that file, and the size of the storage must be insane. But I mean, hopefully, with these new hard drives coming out, we'll get smaller and larger and more scientific with some helium based. I love it when technology is not just dealing with ones and zeros, but also dealing with like the science and chemical makeups. You're fighting physics at that point when you're using helium.
1: I think it's interesting that you said that because um, we use, I mean, there's flash storage now that doesn't require any moving parts, but I guess guess you're limited in some ways there. So that's why they they resorted to the still moving magnetic disk to collect that binary code, but now it doesn't have that resistance. So, I I assume that makes it as fast as a a flash memory where there's no moving parts at all.
0: Yeah, forget me if I'm wrong, but I believe the problem, though, with flash storage is it's really hard to re... Like, rewriting flash storage after a couple times slows down the drive. I think you're right. I think I've heard that also. Because there's, like, trace data that gets stuck on these flash drives because it's not... When there's ones and zeros and a magnetic arm that controls it, you can switch on and off. But when it's just kind of data in a non-moving system, there's no tactile switch to hide something or turn it off.
1: Hey, maybe if we utilize the uh, graphene in hard drive storage, that won't be a problem.
0: Man, we are hitting all the (laughs) topics today. Because graphene doesn't have that problem. Uh, The
1: electrons can travel directly across it rather than going through switches and whatnot.
0: Right. So... These are all possible. We need hard drives. We need micro SD cards We need flash drives because we need computers in the original I didn't want to go all the way back because it starts to get a little fuzzy Did you want to talk about I did some no I did some digging on computers. Let's talk computers. All right Let's talk computers then. So the first digital I want to start digital. So the first digital computer was built at Oh Iowa State in 1937, did you get that? Yes, okay And over time, you probably have the stuff in between, but over time, stuff has shrunk to what we have today. And this is all because of the creation of transistors, microchips, and microprocessors opposed to vacuum tubes that would slow currents that the little inventions of those little black transistors resistors made the world of difference and made electronics just shrink instantaneously because you just need small bits of metal that do things that back in the day you'd need a whole like square foot cube to do but what else do you have on computers? Well while digging into computers while you're
1: talking about the small components such as resistors, transistors I found um, let me see if I can find what I was looking at was it the I found what the smallest transistor was and it was Whatever, like anyway. modern day, smallest modern transistor? day, because that that was the biggest jump in making computers smaller. Just combining those elements into, like you said, from vacuum tubes into small little guys that use chemicals to do the same processes that a bigger device would do. Um, the the ENIAC computer, are you familiar with that? <coughs> the ENIAC computer, the ENIAC computer. No, what's the it? It's ENIAC one of the computer? first supercomputers. Um, it weighed almost fifty tons.
0: 50 tons. Where was it? It was at a university. Let me tell you. Was it? At, I know. I think there's a supercomputer. The Ivy Leagues have a lot of supercomputers.
1: Exactly. And it was at the, well, actually, the ENIAC was located. Um, at, it was uh, formally dedicated at the University of Pennsylvania in 1946
0: i think it's still there i believe we talked about this in some in some class but i believe that computer is actually still at penn and i think you can go look at it by the way i looked up the smallest transistor and uh berkeley national laboratory actually successfully created a functional one nanometer long transistor
1: gate nanometer that's small Extremely small. That's really small.
0: If you shrunk all the components
1: down to that size, how small would a computer be? Probably so, t- so, so, so tiny.
0: I think it could fit on a penny or something. Maybe, oh, s- yeah. Simple, maybe not like check your Facebook feed, but simple calculations of like math, multiplication, addition, subtraction, division. I forgot one. Basic, basic functions. So maybe. Maybe that's the future. Maybe that's what we're looking forward to.
1: Well, right now you can get um, like an Ultrabook laptop and it's gonna weigh less than than a pound even, you know? that's That's where we're at now.
0: Computers are getting slimmer, phones are getting smaller, except now there's this big trend to make phones bigger again. Because they're too small, is that the idea? Well, because the old fashioned cell phones, when cell phones came out, they were big and bulky. And over I have time, some history to tell you about that. Over time, they've shrunken down. So what do you have on Well,
1: the, the first commercially available handheld cellular phone was the Motorola Dy- Dynatac 8000X, which hit the market in 1983, and it weighed two pounds. Motorola still in the game. I know, the brick, that indestructible brick. The two pounds isn't as much as I thought it would be. Honestly, I thought it would be like... 20 pounds or or something but this was the first commercially available one so obviously it wasn't crazy big
0: and if you think about it that's still pretty big for something that's just meant for doing calls a two pound object just for calling something that's pretty heavy
1: nowadays you're looking at smartphones roughly uh 0.3 pounds
0: that's that's not a lot not a (laughs) lot
1: at all and uh one specifically this one even came out in 2014 it is uh let's see it is the 156 grams and the thickness, let me see, it is... It would probably be, I'm thinking like MacBook Air thin. I have, well, here, I did some computer. The MacBook Air is, um, the 13-inch is just under 3 pounds at .68 inches at its highest point. But the new MacBook, just the plain MacBook, is... Two point zero three pounds, right around two pounds, at 0.52 inches tall. And that's kind of the standard width right there. That's what you, yeah, that's what you're looking at for the most premiered. Well you devices. can
0: only get so thin. You can't have infinite thinness in a sense, because you need a screen, you need keys. Tactile. Tactile keys. Yeah. So there will be some thickness. There'll always be some thickness. Like you said, there's a trend to make smartphones a little bit bigger. Yeah, but recently, I actually, I don't know about you, but I enjoy having some weight to my objects. Oh, absolutely. Like, I like that. I like, like my, manhandling my devices, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like having a computer that's thick. I feel like it's not going to be flimsy. It's a solid-built machine. But, like, I'm not a fan of those errors because they're, they're too thin. I feel like if I want a computer, I want something that feels powerful. And when I feel something thin, I don't feel power. I don't know. That's a personal thing.
1: I agree. I agree. I feel you. Yeah, I understand that. You know, while I was doing some research, I found something that I thought would have gotten smaller, but it was actually just the opposite. It got bigger. Um, back to talking about instruments, I guess. The headphones. Um, 1910, the first pair of headphones were developed for for the Navy, um, and it was mostly used by... Uh, telecommunication operators at the time to hear signal coming through and they weren't really powered headphones they could they kind of just transmitted the signal that was received so they weren't like preamp pa type headphones yeah so they eventually transferred to powered amplifiers that got bigger and that's where speakers came from and thus our new you know everybody can hear with a speaker rather than listening to a tiny speaker so that got bigger as time went on well, interesting.
0: Th- I guess you're adding more parts to it. But another thing that has shrunk is the camera. The camera has shrunken remarkably over time. Uh, if you go all the way back to when it was first invented, taking photos on these big sheets using magnesium as flash, lighting the paper on fire, to all the way down, if you think that little dot on top of your farine is on top of your screen on your phone is your camera. And if you were to take apart your phone, like I have for reasons (laughs) you have um, that camera element is smaller than I'd say smaller than your nails. It's about three millimeters across. What you see is pretty much what's behind it. It's not that big of a system and it's capable of taking, I think the front facing camera is like 12 megapixel, Pixel photos, and that's a big deal. And when you think of nowadays, there's this big debate of people who take have large cameras, big DSLRs with lens, interchangeable lenses, but you can have a phone like a Samsung Galaxy 8, the OnePlus, the Pixel 2, the iPhone X. These cameras are taking photos that some would argue are better than cameras that came out a couple years ago that they are the new forefront of mobile photography and it's in the palm of your hand so i think that's another trend that we're seeing of better cameras and a s- better meta- megapixels in a smaller body in a sense now you're losing a lot of the qualities that you get out of using interchangeable lenses
1: with actual apertures that you can adjust your manually you know that you lose some quality there and and the sensor is limited based on the size of the device i mean obviously a full frame sensor is going to capture a better image sharper more light more light exactly but you know what these phones are honestly with software
0: they look really really good well, what's crazy about most of these softwares in this camera phone market is that it's mainly software. If you look at photography, that like the effects that they're doing right now, the Pixel 2, they only have one camera, but it's able to do a portrait mode by taking many photos and then doing a digital software that will blur out the background elements, sense what's in the foreground elements. And cover that edge and create a sense of a depth of field on an expensive camera. And honestly, the untrained eye, it looks pretty darn close to actually
1: having that distortion in the background. The only a, way you can tell is
0: really putting it next to one another. And then you will see like what's actually happening. But hey, this is the future. i personally am trying to upgrade to one of those phones that has a little bit more camera capabilities because I'm interested to see how it works even like dual dual um camera sense dual lens cameras on the phones they do two photos and then overlap them and blend them and that's just there's finding the loopholes and everything to make things work and because of that that's why we're able to get smaller people are finding out oh we don't need all these tubes and stuff to m- Do do the same thing, you know, we can just find a chemical loophole and that's why things have shrunk. And it's because of our advances that we're getting smaller and smaller memory. Yeah, I think that's something cool. I think it's a really cool thing to think about that now in the future, we're going to have things that were once big shrink smaller and smaller. It's also a big trend of maybe it's not smaller, but thinner. Talking about displays, k- TVs, 4K OLED TVs that are wallpaper thin, they're smaller than most of the paintings on your wall. That's something we're looking forward to with LG's new TVs. And it's incredible to see what's going to come next. At least I think so.
1: Oh, absolutely. Unless we reach that dangerous singularity where everything shuts
0: down. But.
1: We well, got some time. <laughs> until the
0: singularity, you know you're going to just come and listen to us on this podcast, aren't you? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Our little lightning round that, you know, we got together. We talked about things that shrink, in a sense. But we'll be back with our regular scheduled content next week. See you around.
1: This was Two top an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Burke and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly for general inquiries or feedback. Contact us at two top at gmail.com. Thanks and join us next week for another two topics.